Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast. I'm Matt Cabot, your host and elder at Grace South Bay. Each week we have a Q&A conversation with our pastors about their sermons. We talk theology and we get into the Bible. And we discuss how to live out our faith as Christians in the Silicon Valley and beyond. Today we wrap up our Advent series. In his sermon titled Advent for the Peaceless, Pastor Stephen looks at how God is working in our lives even if we don't feel peaceful. We'll also discuss how to find peace in peaceless times and what our role is as peacemakers. All that and more is on the table today as we dive into Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 56. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. So, Stephen, many carols that we sing at Christmas time focus on peace. And in fact, we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Why do you think there's so much emphasis on peace at this time of the year? Yeah, that's a, um, I think, common phrase that we hear from everywhere, not just from within the church, but all, all avenues and, and parts of our society, you know, scream peace uh, at the end of each year. And I'm thinking of going through a, a drive through with my daughter, Michaela, to get some hot chocolate, and they've got this, you know, decoration, like painted decorations on the side of the windows, and, and it's a big, you know, word piece, and it's got doves and, and lights and bells and stars and things like that, and mm-hmm. um, it's just everywhere. And, you know, without doing a whole lot of uh, historical research on where this uh, started where prominent where it came to prominence in our culture. Um, I, I really think that it's building on the first announcement of Jesus's birth, right? There's mm-hmm. private revelations to Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth that that Mary's going to have a baby and that it's going to be special. It's not just a normal kid kind of thing. But the first time that it's proclaimed publicly that Jesus is born is when the angel shows up to the shepherds out in the fields. And uh, mm-hmm. if you uh, saw the Charlie Brown Christmas special, or you remember Linus's thing, or you happen to know Luke too, you know that the message of the angel is peace on earth. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has just built up over time, and it has been extrapolated um, and, and taken as the proclamation of the season. Um, into many Christmas carols, but also, like I said, movies and books and and just culture in general. Um, you know, think about your Christmas movies, like The Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life, both great movies or, you know, book if you choose to read all 9,000 pages of Charles Dickens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But very little mention, if any at all, of Jesus in either of those two works uh, and yet the theme in both of them is peace, uh, personal peace for both Ebenezer Scrooge and George Bailey, but also like peace in the way that they engage with their lives and with the other people in their lives. And Christmas all comes down to being um, at peace with who you are and who's around you and the world at large. Um, and I, I think the one of the reasons it has caught on in society and become such a big theme throughout the year, is that uh, the idea of peace plays well across cultures, uh, across many religions, uh, because all humans feel the peacelessness in their lives, right? There is, for 10 months of the year, just this uh, 
chaos and disorder that mm. sin has brought into the world, and everybody feels it, and everybody is worn out with it. And so this idea that there is a time when we should set aside all of that and try to to move past it and to engage peacefully internally and externally and relationally and all that kind of stuff, I think just really meets a uh, subconscious and, and oftentimes conscious need that people have because of the peacelessness in their lives. Here's, here's this is reality, though. Mm-hmm. Because chaos and brokenness, disorder, cacophony uh, is the natural state of everything, right? Everyone enters the world broken and twisted and disordered. All of creation has some kind of sin-marred aspect to it. Uh, that means that peace can't just happen, right? We, we can't just say, oh, you know, peace, peace on earth, and it's mm-hmm. like, we got to go find where that is, and we got to go uh, choose to be there instead of where we're at now. Like, that, that can't take place, and so if we're talking about being peaceful or wishing other people peace, what we're actually proclaiming is that work has to be done. Like we have to, we have to do work in order to be peaceful. And so if you are engaging in the societal call for peace at the end of the year, uh, absent of, of Jesus in, in any way, the reality is then on December 26, when you wake up and it's not peace on earth, it's actually an indictment against our failure to do the work necessary to get the peace we want. Mm. Um, it's actually really disappointing if you take it that way. And I think there's some aspect at which subconsciously we feel that, like this longing for something great, some change, uh, a peace that we haven't had throughout the year, we failed once again. Um, and it's different in those who follow Jesus, right? When we when we look at the announcement of the angel to the shepherds, peace on earth, the angel doesn't say, oh, peace is now available to you, you just got to go find it. He's not saying, oh, peace will eventually come and fill all the earth. He says, peace on earth. Because in the message of the gospel, peace comes through a reordering of disorder, a reconciliation Mm of broken relationship, particularly between humans and God, but also between humans and humans, uh, a repair of what sin has damaged. And what that angel is saying is the agent of reordering, the agent of reconciliation and repair, the one person who can do something about this peacelessness is now present on earth. Peace itself was on earth in the form of a baby in a manger. And whether you believe in the incarnation and birth of Jesus or not, that changes how you engage with the emphasis on peace that we see uh, at this time of year in this season. It seems like that that we are living in a time that is like the the, the least peaceful ever. But is it that extraordinary in history? Have there been times that have been as peaceless as ours? Yeah, that's a man. That's a great question, and I, I bet there's you know you can go to Barnes and Noble and find tons of books written about this, and there's got to be databases of, of blogs that are addressing mm-hmm. this topic. Um, and I'll say this right: it feels that way, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It feels mm-hmm. like there is a, just rampant peacelessness. 
Um, and when the you know anchor on the news says we're living in unprecedented times, it right. feels true. Um, I, I just finished reading this book called "The End Is Always Near" by Dan Carlin, who does a podcast that I love, and this book is excellent. But the the whole point of the book is that throughout the history of civilization, there have always been events, catastrophes, internal disputes, uh, diseases, uh, all kinds of things that threaten to wipe out humanity. Right? Maybe maybe not humanity on a global mm-hmm. scale, but at least humanity uh, in that civilization. And oftentimes, those things come to fruition. Earthquakes, natural disasters, plague, um, you know, combat with other nations, things like that. Um, And his whole point is, like, it's always close to the end. We just don't necessarily recognize it as when it happens to another culture or another civilization or in another time it feels different than when we're living it ourselves. And so, you know, I, I think that's really accurate. There is a sense in which the amount of peacelessness is... It, it, there's probably not less peace than in, in previous generations. I, I think what has happened, though, is that technology has allowed something hundreds of miles away to disrupt the peace of my life now. Mm-hmm. It gives me insight into things that, you know, a couple couple decades ago, a generation ago, I would have not known about in, unless I bought a national newspaper and happened to read, right? Mm-hmm. The issues and actions of others in, in other spheres of life that are completely separate and would never interact with me at all can now r- ruffle my feathers and r- ruin my whole right. day or my whole right. week, right? The the same amount of peacelessness exists. Uh, you know, the causes of that peacelessness, the symptoms, the way they work out might have changed, uh, but the issue is now that we can get, you know, upset over uh, some pancake dispute in Phoenix, like something ridiculous like that mm-hmm. now shows up on our on our feed, Facebook feed. It's now on you know TV if you're watching, you know, cable news or or whatever. Thirty years ago, you never would have known about it. It wouldn't right. have bothered you. You would have had other things disrupting the peace of your life, but now it just seems like it's on a constant loop. Um, and here's the other thing that's that's frustrating. If you don't know about those other conflicts in other mm-hmm. countries, other states, whatever it is, you feel out of the loop. So it's almost like you have to be peaceless in order to keep up, um, which is really, really damaging to our own... Uh, personal sphere that could be at peace in some way. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this in mass communication studies. It's, it's information anxiety. Like you, you, you don't want to not know, but the amount of information that we like that that's even in, in like the Sunday New York times is more information than someone in medieval period, uh, was exposed to in their entire lifetime. So this idea right. that we have yeah. to be on top re- of stuff is really causes more anxiety for sure. So let me ask you this. Um, yeah, how does peacelessness reveal what's in our hearts? Yeah, so the, the way I talked about it in the sermon, I, I kind of looked at it from two angles. Um, and I, I want to say up front, like, it, it's not... Peacelessness is, is not always caused by something going on in your heart, and it's not always going to reveal something... 
mm-hmm. that is going on in your heart. But I think realistically, when when there is uh, some form of peacelessness, whether it's uh, you know disappointment or anxiety um, or it's anger or confusion, like whatever it, whatever way it manifests itself, I think is is an opportunity for us to look inward and see what could be going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the first side of that that I looked at was when you are what, what's causing you to feel peaceless, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, that can it can show us. Peacelessness can show us the things that we hold on tightly to that are being disrupted in some way, right? Like, so, for example, one of the things that really stresses me out, uh, that creates peacelessness in my lives, is, in my life, is when order isn't followed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when, when things get out of sync or, or, you know, a process that we've gone through uh, for a long time and have just kind of kept up with gets shaken up, right? So, good example, throughout COVID... I have done our family's laundry on Sunday almost every week, right? Mm-hmm. Just started early on that things were busy and there was a day that I needed to do to help with stuff at home. Uh, doing laundry on Sunday just worked the first week. And then I did it again the next week and it just kind of became habit, right? Became a routine. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, I saw Nicole walking through the kitchen to the garage, her arms full of our dirty clothes, <laughs> and it was Saturday. <laughs> And how dare she, she? Right? Like it, taking a step back and looking at it, it's ridiculous for me to respond the way I did. Like I was a little stressed out. I was mm-hmm. I was frustrated. She's being kind. She's going to do the laundry. Right. And, and instead of being thankful, uh, it frustrated me because there. I ha- even though order and and routine are not bad, there is a level in which I was idolizing the control and the order that Mm. routine brought to my life and to our household. And so uh, peacelessness often comes when our idols are messed with, right? Not always, Mm. and that's really important, right? You're not necessarily always going to experience peace, peacelessness only when an idol is messed with. Right. But it's possible, so maybe it's a good opportunity to, to look. Right, and then the second side that I looked at is how do you respond in the midst of peacelessness? Because mm-hmm. that reveals what's in your heart too, right? How you engage with with uh, disruption and chaos and order uh, shows a, a lot about what's valuable to you. So, for example, we talk about um, you know uh, in, in looking at counseling situations in particular, we talk about like medicating in the midst of pain. Like if something's bringing pain into your life. Oftentimes, one of our responses is to medicate that pain. Maybe it's with alcohol, maybe it's with, uh, you know, sex, pornography, drugs, maybe it's with food, maybe mm-hmm. it's uh, whatever, right, to help dull the, the pain, the, um, the peacelessness that you've got. Oftentimes, we, we look at, like, disconnecting completely, like, hey, things aren't going so hot, so what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to hop on my phone for an, an hour, two hours, three hours. I'm going to play video games for, for four hours today. Um, and it, it's a way of distancing yourself from that peacelessness. So back to my example, right? Like I love order and control so much. Instead of talking about how I was feeling, instead of preaching the gospel to myself about my idol of order and sin, I just shifted my focus 
and I started mm. cleaning the kitchen because there was some disorder. I could reorder it because right. the order over here in the laundry department had been messed with. Right? Mm. That's the that's that's the the both sides that peacelessness I think can give us a window into our own heart, the the deep issues of what's going on in our heart. And how we respond to those situations actually affects the people around us too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's that that's kind of the the whole um internal external external connection is like peacelessness might feel like it's coming from the outside, but how you handle it might actually create more peacelessness coming from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So if we're feeling peaceless, should we assume that God is not actively working in our lives? Yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) I mean, most likely the opposite, right? Like, Mm -hmm. using it as an opportunity to see what's going on in our hearts, that's that's the Holy Spirit kicking in and, and trying to open our eyes to the fact that we are still... Um, hampered by sin. You know, we are still uh, worshiping idols in some way. Um, Again, not always. It's not always an indicator that that's the case, Uh, but you are still a sinner. You are still sinful. You do still, Mm -hmm. you know, worship idols in, in some places. And so that, to me, peacelessness um, is not comfortable it's not a great place to be. It often causes us to run to idols and causes more problems. But I, I really think that w- if we start to see it as most likely God is doing something in your heart, whether it's causing you to be uncomfortable because your idols are messed with, or it is like strengthening you to engage with the, the corruption of the world, with sinfulness in a non-sinful way, uh, like, peacelessness is, is probably more likely God is doing something than not doing something. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned in your sermon, you used the word shalom. Uh, can you define that for us and tell us why um, it seems rare, and what is God doing to restore it? Yeah, sure. So shalom is a Hebrew word, um, and it, it's translated peace. I think that's accurate. Uh, but it's not like a circumstantial piece, right? It's not, you know, easiest thing for us to think of is like, oh, two nations are at peace with each other because they're not fighting, right? That's, you know, non-chaotic circumstance is not the best definition of shalom. Um, it mm-hmm. is there, of course, but it, it has more of a connotation of like wholeness, um, rightness. Like we think of, uh, you know, a lot of folks like to do puzzles around the holidays because you got family in town or time on your hands or whatever, like shalom would be the difference between when you first open the box and then when you put the last piece into the puzzle, right? Shalom is putting Mm -hmm. the last piece into the puzzle. It's uh, Mm -hmm. rightness, um, both in the way that we engage with ourselves and and with others and all of creation. Um, It's a... it, It is the answer to the longings of your heart, right? The, the things that your soul uh, is looking for, shalom is the answer to all of those things, right? And, and mm. realistically, shalom, that level of peace in particular, ultimately and only 
comes from God, right? God alone. He is the foundation of peace, as we see throughout the, the Old Testament. Particularly, we see this in the Psalms, right? The only way that anybody can experience that level of, of wholeness, of rightness, of living and thinking and feeling and acting as we were created to originally, is to be restored mm-hmm. uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, the, the the reason that it is so rare is because sin is still present. It is still yeah. rampant in our lives. We are still uh, disordered and, and broken in some way, but God is restoring shalom to you, to me, to those who follow Jesus, but also to all of his creation, right? Like, Jesus is at work renewing his creation through the Spirit, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the way that, that that restoration is talked about, often when it comes to you know personal uh, restoration of shalom, individual, we'll put it that way, it, the um, sanctification is the word that's used, being turned uh, into the likeness of Jesus, who lived as humans were created to live, obeying God, perfect relationship with God the Father and with all of the other humans around him. Um, the way that sanctification is talked about is through analogies like pruning and refining. Mm. Um, I think I Richard. remember, <laughs> right, right, not fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember one Christmas, a neighbor across the street, she got a, a rock tumbler. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you had a rock tumbler or your kids Hell had yeah, rock tumblers. Oh, yeah, I've seen them, sure. But like, you, what, you just find something, throw it in the rock tumbler, see what happens to it, you know, like, a piece of glass, broken glass, like it's going to come out all smooth and polished and shiny, right? Right. A, a dirty, nasty old rock you find on the ground. You know, in the ads, they make it look like it's going to come out as a ruby, but uh, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but that's that's kind of the That'd way. Be cool, that though, it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would go buy a rock tumbler for both of my girls uh, and I just would, start pulling yes, rocks would, right away. Absolutely. Right, Perfect. but that that's how God is is restoring um, shalom to us is by by breaking off the, the 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 hard edges the sharp edges sanding us smooth um you know I, I, you think about how the the great um sculptors uh, of the renaissance in particular would get these giant pieces of marble and they mm-hmm. would be able to see a beautiful uh, incredibly realistic uh, statue inside this block of marble. And I can't remember who it was who talks about it, but but really it's not chipping away pieces of the marble until it looks the way that they wanted it to look, but it's something along the lines of letting the statue that's inside come out. Hmm. And, and that's really what God is doing in us. He's, he's sanding the rough edges off. He's letting the true self that we have received through the death and resurrection of Jesus come out. So is it possible to be peaceful in these peaceless times? Yeah. Hmm. Again, here we are <laughs> at a question where I'm going to have to yeah. answer yes and no, and so let right. me explain myself. Uh, first of all, I, I think there's a sense in which it will never be possible for us to be perfectly peaceful, um, mm. and and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, 
um, there is some level at which sin and death are and should be upsetting to us, should create some peacelessness in our lives, right? We should get angry when we see uh, others oppressed or, or maligned or, you know, lied about. We should uh, be aware that we're going to be hurt by other people, that their sin against us is going to cause problems, and our sin against others is going to cause problems. That's not going away. Um, there's no way that death isn't going uh, to disrupt your life. Your mm-hmm. loved ones, the fear of death, and uh, your own death, things like that. So, the, like, a, a quick answer is no. We're never going to be perfectly peaceful. But I, I think that there's a, a, a peace that we are promised through the Spirit if we recognize that our ultimate uh, destination, because of Jesus' work for us and applied to us through the Spirit, is eternal life with God himself. Mm. Um, and, and it's not... Sometimes I, I throw out this quaint you know, phrase when I'm talking to people, not... It's not necessarily loving, but it's true. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? If you trust in Jesus, the worst thing that happens is you die and you go be with Jesus. Yeah. Right. You know, that's that's trite, and it's not necessarily, you know, helpful, particularly would not say that in a counseling situation, but <laughs> uh, it's true, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, and, and if mm-hmm. that becomes the baseline, everything else, just icing on the cake kind of thing... Um, there is a sense in which our our peacelessness is driven um, further and further to the ropes, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a, a knowledge of the future guaranteed, right? I'm, I'm thinking about you know what is um, faith? Faith is being sure of what we are we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Mm-hmm. We hope that Jesus's death and resurrection brings us new life, guarantees us e- eternal life with God. We have a certainty that helps us through peacelessness by not creating more peacelessness. No, that's good. Um, so one of the, the scenes, well, the scene that you talked about, the passage in the Bible, is a scene where um, the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and Peter is there. Peter takes out his sword, he cuts off one of the ears of the soldiers, and and Jesus rebukes him, and he, and he makes this pretty amazing comment. He says, "Didn't you? Don't you know that if I wanted to, I could call down legions of angels, and and uh, you know, it toward dis- displaying Jesus's power." So my question to you is: Is it wrong for us to occasionally, at least, ask God to send down those angels to restore, to fix, to rescue us from our chaotic lives? Uh, I think the only problem with that would be asking on occasion is not asking enough, Um, (laughs) right? right? Like, uh, the reason in particular that Jesus rebukes Peter um, and opens Peter's eyes to the reality that this power was at Jesus's fingertips is not a condemnation of emotion, right? It is is an affirmation of purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, The goal of Jesus's life on earth from from eternity past was not to to be delivered from the cross but be delivered to the cross right like Jesus's mm. death is why he was born in a manger period the yeah. the the story that's so beautiful and happy that that we talk about on Christmas 
the end was always certain, right? Hebrews tells us that that Jesus knew what he was going to go through, right? The, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, right? That joy and the endurance was, was secured in eternity past when the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that this is how things would go. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the rebuke of Peter and the enlightenment as to Jesus' power um, does not communicate it's bad to get to a point where you ask for, for God to send his angels. The Psalms are full of that exact thing, right? Here are men crying out to God in the midst of suffering, confusion, depression, loneliness, right? All the different ways that peacelessness can affect people. And what are they crying out for? They're not crying out for just a little more strength to get through, just a little light so that they could figure out how to get to the next stage of life. Not not just for like a friend to come and sit with them, mm-hmm. but for God to deliver them. And and it's not like a a a, a, a like a, it's not a minimalistic. God just send send something to help fix it up. But like the the power of God that they recognize in asking mm-hmm. for His deliverance is real. Like they're asking for God to really show up and yeah. do work. And for us, you know, it's hard for us to imagine God actually showing up physically, being present and doing something. A lot of times we would talk about it more as like angels, right? Like people who mm-hmm. have these miraculous conversion experiences where they see a, b- a bright light and they they hear a voice or like people who are, you know, spared from some kind of disaster. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, this this police officer who was walking down the street in Nashville just before the RV exploded. Um, mm-hmm. And his his comment was, I heard the voice of God tell me to turn the other way. And really? That, wow. that saved his life, right? And he says this on national TV. This is... He he didn't want to get into it, didn't want to talk about it anymore. I haven't looked any more into the thing, but mm-hmm. like we often want that. I, most students at some time get to a test that they're not prepared for, and they're like, "God, I need some help here." Yeah. You know, even if they're not Christians, they they want some external help. I think there's something beautiful about recognizing I don't have the power within me to get through this, mm-hmm. and I need power from somewhere else. And whether you're asking for legions of angels to come and rescue you from the chaos of your life, or you're just asking for a little bit of relief, both of those things recognize that someone else is on the throne. And so, without a doubt, you should be asking that of God all the time. Mm. Oftentimes, He's going to respond in different ways than you expect. Sometimes He'll say yes and send something miraculous. Sometimes he's just going to send your next-door neighbor over with a plate of extra cookies that they had. Mm. Maybe God chooses to say, not right now, right? Like, that's the hard part about it. The encouragement that I hope you're hearing is, ask, right? Mm. As Jesus says, ask, and you will receive. Knock, and the door will be open. Like, yes, we should be asking for God to miraculously show up in our lives, understanding that getting what we want is not on his agenda, getting what we need is on his agenda. Yeah, I love the way that someone put this, that God always says yes to our prayers unless he wants to give us something better. 
Yeah. Like there's never a time when he's going to not to ignore us or um, say, I'm not going to listen. But he always says yes, unless there's something better he wants to give us. Uh, so, Stephen, in these peaceless times, what's our role as Christians to be peacemakers? Um, yes, good, good question um, and important. Um, and I, I think, I'm, I'm, I know that this might not, this might not hit the way some people want it to hit, um, but that's okay because I'm, I'm confident that this is accurate. The, the first thing that that we are called to do is to be at peace with God ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a peacemaker in unpeaceful times, peaceless times, starts by dealing with your own stuff internally. Um, that looks like, as we say week in and week out, repenting um, and believing, right? Repenting of the stuff you've done wrong, of the ways that you have caused peacelessness, right? Like believing the gospel for yourself Mm -hmm. and being set free from the sin that clings so closely. And then the call is to work your way outward um, in relationship. So um, you don't start by trying to fix a global problem. Um, you start by engaging with the person or people who are closest to you. Maybe those are roommates. Maybe those are family, your spouse, your kids. Um, and the way that you create peace in times of peacelessness, in relationships that are peaceless, in in situations that are generally peaceless, which thankfully many of us experience at this time of the year, um, is by recognizing that you are a recipient of God's grace, and He has given you so much grace that you have baskets full to give to Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you think about uh, what it means to be offended by something someone else has said or done. Um, That's okay. How you engage with the offender uh, is different because you know as you've dealt with internally, first and foremost, you are an offender. Mm-hmm. You offended God, and he chose to take that offense upon himself and to forgive you. That's the way that we're called to be peacemakers, first and foremost, with others. Now, we've gotten some you know, in questions engaging on whether or not it just means that we should lie down and and be loving all the time and be gracious all the time and and of course the answer is no uh, we do know as we see Jesus um, in the in the temple as we look at at the difference between his actions at the temple um, and Peter's actions in the garden um, cutting off the servant of the high priest here right the the way that we engage, should be bringing other people into an experience with God or preventing other people from preventing folks from coming to God, right? And so mm-hmm. um, th- that's a very... Um, we gotta, you have to be careful in the way that you are speaking and acting um, and always ready to repent, always ready to admit you're wrong. Um, and mm-hmm. I... 
you know, I, I, one thing like without without being so much of a of a naysayer, like I think that if you are spending your time trying to promote peace by calling out the 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 faults of others or pointing out, mm-hmm. you know, failures on online, whether it's in a blog or it's on Facebook or, or posting, you know, sermons that happen to get at exactly what you believe and how the other folks are wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're actually losing your voice with the people who are closer to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man, like what a beautiful th- opportunity we have in this time where everybody wants some peace to, to actually demonstrate what it means to to have real peace, to have Jesus. Mm. Um, and man, let's just start with the folks in our immediate vicinity, our our roommates, our neighbors, our families, our coworkers, whoever it might be. Like, let's focus there rather than try to to comment and change what's happening maybe nationally or globally or whatever. Uh, and I know that's really hard because those things can be so upsetting. And as we talked about, there, there's this news anxiety that's just, it's always in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but chances are you're never going to interact with those people. And God has you living with and next to and working with and next to uh, those, the people that he does for a reason. Yeah, bloom where you're planted. I think that would be a great place to start with the people around us. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thanks for this sermon, and thanks for all the sermons you did for this Advent and and helping to make this time of the year more meaningful for all of us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for your time this morning. So the title of Stephen's sermon is Advent for the Peaceless. It's the fourth and final sermon in our anti-COVID Advent series. You can find that sermon in all of our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. You can also find a link on our website to ask questions for this podcast. We'd love to have you join us Sundays for in-person outdoor worship. We meet at 11 a.m. in the courtyard at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose. Our space is limited to 100 people, so you have to sign up. So look for that sign-up email from one of our pastors. If you're not getting those emails, we would encourage you to visit our website, again, gracesouthbay.com, and click on the Connect button at the top. Fill out the Connect card, and one of our pastors will reach out to you. You can also submit a prayer request using the prayer button at the top of our website. If you can't join us for in-person worship, we're live-streaming our services on Facebook and YouTube. So join us at 11, or whenever is convenient for you, because you can access the service anytime afterwards. We know these are challenging times, so let us know how we can care for you. We have pastors, elders, youth leaders, and a women's care team ready to help. We're just an email or a phone call away. We'll be back next week with another episode of the GSB podcast, so stay tuned and stay healthy. We look forward to our next time together. Now, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.